Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now, did you find Joshua? If you started at Genesis, you ought to be there by now. I want you to notice, I'm going to explain my title. I know the title is probably bad if you have to explain it, but uh, I want to show you where we're going. We're doing a series, it'll be a short series, on the perils of immaturity. You know, when you're in an environment where you don't know what's going on around you, nobody's made you aware, you make all kinds of mistakes. It's like a little child with a screwdriver in a room full of, of electrical outlets, uh, and mama and daddy leave them there for a while. They just have a way of putting the knife in the wrong spot, and the result is not good. Well, when you don't know the environment you're in, and if you're immature, you don't make good decisions, or other people are making them for you, and you don't know why they're making them, is it that to use you? Is it to take advantage of you? Or do they just really not want you to know the truth? You have to decide all of that. And the Bible says that the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, not to be frightened of him, but when you understand that much of the Old Testament are the promises that God put out for anyone in any generation. Here are the promises. Here's the word. Here's what you're to do. Here's the rewards of doing that. Here's what you're not to do. And here is the price you pay for doing it. It's laid out throughout the Old Testament, as you will see in just a moment. But I want to use something here. As you look at your Bible, if you have an iPhone, if you don't... Uh, just go home and check this out. But as I open my Bible, it says here, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua. Now, I want you to replace that name, Joshua, with your first name. Now, uh, I'm going to I'm going to use John and you use whatever your name is. And then we're just going to simply say the book of and then put your name there. Can you handle that? Is that all right? Got it? All right, let's try this. The book of John. I wasn't too good. Are you ready? The book of John. All right, I heard several different names. This is the book of Joshua. I'm entitling the message today, The Book of You. Because you see, we're all writing a book. This is Joshua's book. You say, I never wrote a book. Oh, yeah, you're writing one. And, and, and depending on what chapter, now some of you are young enough that you're in the early chapters of your autobiography. Others of us are closer to the end of the book. And as you live day by day, your life is being recorded. A book is being written. And in your lifetime, your life will be a result of some things you're going to see today. No exceptions to this. Every single person that I'm speaking to, whether you're here or watching through technology or listening, this message is absolutely the clear teaching of the Scripture with absolutely no exceptions. The book of you. Now, we'll be back in Joshua in a moment, but I want to turn to read out loud 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a warning to those writing the book with their life. This is a warning from God through 
The writings of Paul to the church at Corinth, as we told you last week, Corinth was a lot like the city of Houston, same temptation, same kind of sins. And Israel was in the Old Testament, as most of the promises of God are, and he was warning these people, look what happened to Israel, because this will happen to you, Corinthians. This will happen to you, Houstonians. This will happen to you because that's what it's put in the book for. Now listen carefully. I want to read to you from the first verse. And we love to stand out of respect to the reading of the word at Sagemont. So please join me again. I know you've been standing for a while, but this will be a brief reading of 1 Corinthians 10th chapter. It is a warning example to all of us from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things they also lust, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as for some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted Christ and when they were destroyed by the serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them murmured and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation, listen to this, there has no temptation taking, taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Listen to the last two verses. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge you what I say. I would ask you as we're seated to please listen to what I have to share with you today. May God bless you for standing. I want you to follow closely today. I'm going to give you three things to take home with you that'll be brief, but I hope they'll be very meaningful to you for the rest of your life. Let me make some introductory remarks and tell you that the precious promises of God in the Bible, most of which are in the Old Testament, provide to us our blessings, our encouragement, our guide, and our hope. If we'll look closely back into the Old Testament, and especially in places like Joshua, 
we will learn some things that will change us forever. Young people, teenagers, if you can just pick up on this and, not, and the Lord not let you forget it, it will put you so far beyond where you are numerically in your age because there are many, many very wise teenagers in the Bible. They were far beyond their generation in understanding who God was and how important it was to understand that God had a plan for their life. And they wanted to get in on that plan and they weren't going to let anything distract them from it. But when Jesus rose from the grave, first of all, he fulfilled all the prophecies of God the Father. It happened just like the Father said it would. It was a fulfillment of those prophecies. However, there was a second accomplishment from the resurrection that a lot of us have not talked about very much. And that was that on resurrection day, God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, made it possible for all people that come to God to be blessed by the promises that were made to everybody from the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth. No exceptions. God has not promised, promised to bless a few of his children and not bless others. He did not choose to bless us by where we were born, the color of our skin, the amount of uh, wisdom or knowledge, I should say, our IQs, or the breaks that we got in life. None of that. The thing that makes a difference in your life is not your background here on earth, but your background, whether it is in Christ or it is not in Christ. When a person is born again, they are a new creature. Old things pass away and everything becomes new. Now, when you keep in mind that what it means to be a Christian is not to find some kind of religion where you believe with their do's and don'ts and decide to follow that religion. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a brand new life. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, you must be born again. Because in, in order for the power of God to come upon you and the promises of God to become yours to claim, you must be born again. It is not like the people of the Old Testament, many of them felt, and will feel at the judgment of God, said, you know, when we were alive, we did this in your name, and we did that in your name, and we cast out devils, and we did all these wonderful things, and the Lord said, depart from me, I never knew you. You were never born into my family. You were never born again through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus died on a cross, paid for our sin, buried in a grave, then rose from the grave and God's promises were fulfilled and on the third day he would rise from the grave and now all the promises through the Son and the Holy Spirit belong to us. It is so real, listen, it is so real that every person I'm speaking to right now, regardless of your denominational affiliations or lack of denominational affiliations, if you are a born-again Christian, every single one of us have within us this promise we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ we have a promise from God that I will never withhold any good thing from you I will protect you from the evil one and wherever you go I will go with you and you're going to see that in just a moment 
But listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, the second letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said in verse 20, for all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. All of God's promises find their yes in Christ. You say, well, pastor, how can you guarantee me that I am able to have these promises for my own, how can you guarantee that? Because God said that it was true and Jesus made it possible by not staying in a grave, but coming out of the grave. And when it time came for him to go and sit by the Father, he said, it's better for me now to move to the next chapter because I am turning you loose to claim the promises of God, but I can't be with all of you in the flesh, so I'm gonna send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will go with you wherever you go. He will fight your battles for you. He will show you what is right and what is wrong. He will show you how to stand against the tempter. And you can start off when you're very young. Remember your creator in the days of your youth so that when you're old, you'll not pay the price for rejecting Jesus when you were young and you become hardened and turn away from God. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and him alone is the answer to God and the Father's promises to us right now. For anyone that would think, there's no way I can mature in my faith. I can't uh, go to a seminary. I, I can't, you know, I've got all these years that behind me of lack of experience in walking with God. God says, no, if you'll just trust me, all of those promises are still yours to experience. But God not only answer, Jesus not only answers the promises of God, but he's our answer to our needs right now. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all of these things happened unto them, Israel, for our examples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now that's, here's what this says. Everything written there is written for you. It's written for me. You having financial problems? Best book ever written on finances right there. But you know what it starts out with? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know why some of you, you're not happy now? And if you had $10 billion, you would not be happy. It would not change one crying thing if you had a billion, 10 billion, 100 billion dollars. Wouldn't change you. Why? Because you don't know how to give. You don't know how to give a word, a look, a touch. You have trouble giving people a spot in line on the freeway. You know, some people have trouble giving somebody else their seat at church or parking place at church. I mean, you have absolutely no idea what it is to go to bed at night and not worry. Somebody's going to get you. Where God says, while you sleep, I never sleep. I never slumber. Now, that's your promise. You say, I can't afford one of those $80 a month security systems, you know, where somebody watches my house and all that. You don't have to. God's watching over you. He will take care of you. The quality of life that you're experiencing right now, and I don't know what it is, you can grade it. Not my, I'm not to judge you. But you know if you're living quality life right now. But I'll tell you what, the quality of life that you are enjoying or not enjoying today is a direct result to your response to the promises of God. 100%. If you'll learn the three things that I'll give you real quickly in just a moment, it'll change your life forever. 
The story of Israel was the story of God's people. God's people, God's chosen people. God had a promise, God planned all of it laid out. But they refused, they refused to follow God. When old man Moses went up on the mountain and the others were down below, as soon as he got out of sight, they began to sin. Let me tell you the trouble today. A lot of organized Christianity is we've got to get out into the world and reach those people. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, but love them in Jesus' name. And what, what happens is you can go out to the wilderness and you turn to be like the people in the wilderness instead of them coming to be like God wants you to be. Big difference. It is real easy to believe it. God just wants us to fill our buildings with people. No, he wants us to lift up the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw people unto me. Don't drive them in. Don't beg them in. Don't try to conform to them. Don't be like the wilderness to reach the wilderness. You've got to lift up. If the serpent be lifted up in the wilderness, I will draw all men unto me, the scripture says. The quality of life, your living, has been determined by whether or not You've responded properly to the promises of God. Now, it's our choice. We can either choose to obey and receive his power, or we can reject it. Well, now, watch this. We can reject his power. You're saying, I'm going to do my own thing. Oh, no, nobody does their own thing. When you reject the power of God, you choose for yourself the power of Satan. He's so much stronger than you. I mean, he, he thinks he's strong as God. He isn't because God's going to crush him one day. We already know how the story ends. But here's the problem is, see, you think it's either follow God or do what I want to do. No, you either follow God, do what he wants you to do, or you follow Satan and you do what he wants you to do. And everybody here is on one or two places. You're either having your most fun is when you're following the devil and his crowd, or your most fun is when you say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. And let's learn together, grow together, find out who has a need and go out and meet that need in Jesus' name. And let's worship him and praise him. Let me tell you about this man, Joshua. I hope you're back there in the first chapter. Turn back over, over. Real quickly, he lived to be 110. That's in Joshua 24, 29. Listen to this. Whenever they were going out uh, into the promised land and, uh, and looking for the promised land, you remember they chose a committee. He was old enough to be on the spy group. He was in Joshua's seals, okay, uh, if you know what that is in the Navy. And um, so he was chosen to go. Now he goes out there and he wanders in the wilderness for 40 years. Now that makes him pretty old. Moses lived to 120. Joshua lived to 110. But when you add he was old enough to, to be the first to go out there and come back with a report. But then when the time came for them to go, they came like the world. You hear me very carefully. Young people, I beg you to listen to me. When you go out into the world and you become like the world, you have zero impact on the world, but the world has destroyed God's plan and purpose for your life if you reject the promises of God. When you choose not to obey your parents, 
where God's word says, children, obey your parents and your days will be long upon the face of the earth. But you choose for whatever reason not to obey your parents, not to submit to authority, to feel like those that are older than you have no idea what's going on in the world. When you do that, the devil laughs out of the pits of hell and says, I got them, I got them, I got them. And I got their friends with them. What a deal, what a deal. Because the Bible says, as you walk with God, narrow is the road that leads to eternal destruction. And few there are that find it. There's just been research done. Four million young people participated in it. Those four million young people have said and acknowledge that this is the toughest generation to, to live under authority that there's ever been. The Bible says in the last days, children will not be obedient to parents. The, in the last days, that, that the young generation will totally turn against the old generation. They will be cast aside, and then the, the, the coming of the Lord draws near. And as a result of that, we're having all kinds of tragedies take place right in the middle of our churches, where our churches are seeing those fall and stumble because they have struggled so much with this world, and all the weights of Satan have gotten a hold of them. And now the abortions and the sexually transmitted diseases and the horror of the family and the division of the family and on and on you see the shootings every week now involved what in the world is going on and the best we can come up with it's the guns how about the movies how, how about what's going on in this make-believe imaginary world that is being watched 20 hours by some every day where, where does it come in, all of that? No, 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 no. Let's don't blame it on people. Let's blame it on a piece of hardware. You know, it takes two things. Somebody holding a knife and a knife when it comes to a murder or a gun or whatever it might be. But we just, no, we're not going to talk about ourselves. Man, I'm going to leave that church. If you want to talk about my sin, I'm going somewhere else. God says, I'm just going to tell you the truth and leave the results to the Father. That's what Jesus said. So you look in the scripture real quickly and it says, well, in Joshua's day, a lot of emphasis put on young people and it is today and it should be. David was a young man, Daniel, uh, Samson. All of these were young people. They were starting off and God put his hand on them. He pulled them out of their peer group. And he said, I'm gonna put you out here and I'm gonna make you different. And David became a great musician, then a great warrior, and then a great leader. But our character is carved out of the bedrock of our experiences in dealing with the realities of life. If you cannot face life and see what is happening, you cannot understand why are we going through this kind of thing. What has happened to us? What has happened to us is what the Bible said it was going to happen if a nation rejects God or if a family rejects God or if an individual rejects God because the promises are null and void when the one that has the power to fulfill the promise is not invited to lead your life. But when you see that, Joshua now is between 60 and 70 years of age. But by that time, I wrote this in my notes kind of facetiously. I said, you know, today, when you're 60 or 70, you're spending most of your time asleep, either, either at home or at church, you know, uh, one or the other. But uh, in Joshua 1.1, here's what it says. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying... Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, you go to Jordan, you and all your people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, it starts off. In verse 6, it says, Be strong and of a good courage, 
For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. He said, I told these people, I told their father that I was going to bless their children if they would walk in obedience to me and I want them to have this land. Verse 9 says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage and don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. Joshua had watched Moses' agony. The Bible says Moses at the leader, when he saw the people that he was called to lead, going back into their sin, going back into their abomination, having their statistics were no different from the statistics of those that the pagans in the wilderness. The Bible says Moses would go into his tent and weep because he knew what was going to happen to that generation if they did not reject the world and come back to God. And he wept. Over and over and over and over again. How many parents went to bed last night weeping over their kids? How many spiritual leaders are there that are really concerned about where their young people spend eternity and where their senior adults spend eternity rather than how many can they get into the room? How many are there? I pray that your family's that way. I hope that you as a teenager are saying, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to claim these promises and I'm going to live by the rewards that God has for me. So the book of Joshua is so clear. Before I show you three things, and I'll do it in just a very short few moments. In Deuteronomy 31, 27, here's Moses' words. He said, for I know your rebellion, you're stiff-necked. Behold, while I'm yet alive with you this day, you've been rebellious against the Lord and how much more after my death? Joshua experienced the same thing. He experienced the same thing. So God responded to Joshua because he became obedient and gave him three things. You ready for this? Take this home with young people. Write it down on the back of your hand or the back of the person's hand beside you and make them a good friend. Say, when I want to see your hand, I want to look at it again. Give it to you real quickly. They all start with a P. All three of these are available to every single person here that claims the name of Jesus. Every one of you. I don't care how you're living today, this promise is still good. It's when you're going to claim your promise. Quit trying to play the lottery and start claiming the promise. Quit trying to see what the world's going to do for you and see what God promised to do for you. He said, I, won't, I'll, I will not withhold anything bad from you. So the first thing is a promise. God says, if you will be obedient. I will give you these things. It's a promise. God didn't go back to his promises. He promised thousands of years before Jesus came to this earth. I'm going to send you a savior. His name will be Emmanuel, God with you. He's going to do this, 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 this. Every, everything he promised was fulfilled when Jesus came to this earth. Jesus said, I'm going to go back. When I go to heaven, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will abide with you, walk with you. He convicts you. He comforts you. He encourages you. He guides you. That's a promise. Now, Joshua's promise was in the first chapter. Look at verse 3. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Verse 5. There sh listen to this. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail you, and I will not forsake you. Have you felt like 
Maybe God's forsaken you recently. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you felt like quoting Jesus in that? God hadn't forsaken you. The only way you ever get to where you're not walking in the fellowship of God is you choose not to follow him. You choose to go and do your own thing. God says your future, my future, is guaranteed by God's past. Jesus' past. And then secondly, he said, don't stand on your sandals, stand on your bare feet. There's a lot of places, you remember Moses, the burning bush, you stand on holy ground, take your shoes off. Why is that? Why is that? Because there's some things that God wants nothing between you and your Savior, not even a thin soul's shoes. You're standing on holy ground. It can be a little thing that can keep you from having all that God wants for you. As you look at the scripture, there are several examples of those remove your sandals, remove your feet. There are places where we hear that illustration used. You go to the Holy Land and you see even with other religions, they talk about take off your shoes before you come in, even to the building. But the promise, the promise of God is for every generation. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that I read to you a moment ago, all of those things that are there are there for me and for you. Second thing, God has a promise and God has a program. He has a program. Well, what's the program, Brother John? It's found in Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, listen, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That is the program. But I don't think you got it all. Three things that are there. He says, number one, he said, I want you to read the word. I want you to read the word. And then he says, I want you to meditate in it day and night. You say, boy, I know that. That's me. That's me. You're looking at me. That's me. I love to read the word. I love to meditate on the word. Matter of fact, I just love anything the church does that lets me study the word and meditate on the word. But don't ask me to serve. I just love to hear the word and meditate on the word. I just like to come to Bible study. I like to hear brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so, and I just get my cup so full, I just go home and take a nap. But I'm not going to come into big church before people get saved. I'm not going to come in and watch people baptize and be an encourager. Not me. I just study the Word, and I just meditate on the Word. In fact, I've studied it and meditated on so much, I'm about the most critical person you'll ever be around in your life. I am negative. I look like I've been vaccinated with pickle juice. I mean, just ask my friends. They'll tell you what a sorry friend I am, you know. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm reading the Word, and I'm meditating on the Word. Notice what he said? And observe all the things you just read and meditated on. See, that's where you fell off the wagon. There's a lot of church-going people. They don't know what it means to serve. You hear us begging all the time. Help us, help us. Right now, all of that choir, I, I may have said this a while ago, an orchestra, that are going to bless us, we don't pay these people. There's 400 workers in the children's building right now with 1,000 children. 
Why are they over there? Because they love God and they love kids. God loves kids and they love kids. And they love what they do. But they don't just sit on the premises. They come and they stand on the promises of God and the program of God. And our schedules are so busy. So busy. It's hard for us to keep up with all the plates that we've got spinning. And when you look in Psalms 119, that long psalm. Remember that one? The 15th verse, the 23rd verse, the 48th verse, the 78th verse, the 97th verse, the 99th verse, and the 148th verse. It says, meditate, 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 meditate. But Psalm 119.11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the way God's people give. That's the reason they serve. That's the reason they love. That's the reason that they want to respond to you as so many have responded to our family if we've been going through some very difficult times. But you have responded, why? Because you love and you care. And that's what keeps it together. And when young people reach out to other young people, instead of bullying them, they love them, they receive them as they are, but they don't come and be part of what they're in. They say, come out from among them, be separate, and come and let me introduce you to some folks that I met. Most of the people you see baptized in that baptistry, somebody, life was changed, and they brought their friend to Christ. In our early service, a man was here five weeks ago on a Wednesday night. He said, I think I'll come back Sunday. Came back Sunday, got saved. Last week he came back and introduced me to a lady, friend of his. She came in and sat in the service last Sunday. She was gloriously saved. She was here weeping at 1.30 in the afternoon. She was baptized over there, and, hit, and the man was sitting right there on the fourth row, this, and he was so excited, I thought he was going to jump up into the terrace because he had brought somebody to Jesus, somebody he thinks a lot of. I don't know what the future holds, but I know this. When a person is born again, it affects everybody around them. That I know. Not for bad but for good. So meditation will lead us to the door of blessing, but serving will carry us through. And then finally, the last P is power. Power. Joshua 1.6 says, Be strong and of good and courage. Joshua 1.7 says, Only be strong and very courageous. You know what he's saying? All power is given to me in heaven and in earth is what Jesus said he said, I'm going to put that power in you. And you're going to shock the world that you're able to say no. That you're not easily drawn in to the things of this world. And so in that ninth verse, he says, Have not I commanded you to be strong and of good courage and be not afraid and neither be dismayed? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me tell you something. God can get you into some neat places. You know, it's kind of interesting when you know somebody and get you in backstage. You know, I got backstage, I know so-and-so. You know, he got me into this. Oh, that's cool. How about a God that can get you into heaven? How, how about a God that says, I've got angels to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to provide you every need. How about that? How would you like to know him? You know, all this in the heavens and all in the earth belongs to him. And we're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. That's a great deal, y'all. That's a great deal. It's good to have a spiritual father that owns everything and all power is given to him. Woo, I tell you what, the devil says, see you later. I think I'll leave your high school and go over to the other one. I think I'll leave your university and your fraternity. I think I'll go over to another. I think I'll leave your subdivision and go out. To, I think I'll leave your church and go over to another one. 
Because it looks like you're not going to change. God promises to be there. So we started with this. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in Jesus are yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Everything is in Jesus. You reject Jesus, then you're going to accept the power of Satan. You will not stand against him. No one ever has, no one ever will. All you're deciding on, who you're going to follow, who you follow. A man carrying a sandwich board down the streets of New York in the 1930s said, I'm following Jesus. And on the backboard, it said, who are you following? Everybody's following somebody. Who are you following? Your choice, my choice. So here's how the people responded. In my last verse, 16th uh, verse of, of Joshua 1. They answered Joshua, saying, all that you command us, we will do. And whithersoever you send us, we will go. A program, a promise, and a power. A program, a promise, and a power. First comes the promise. Then comes the program. And the power. You want it? It's free. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He was saying, I can't do anything unless he does. And the same is true for you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. As this service comes to a conclusion, as in all of our services on Sunday morning, it's a decision time. It's a time where you say yes or no. You cannot say yes and no. It's a time when those of you that watch Wherever you might be in the world, it's up to you now. God's word is clear. He said, I don't understand the Bible. Yes, we understand that. That's very clear. The Lord has simply said, if you'll be born again, I'll give you a new life. Everybody, next week I'm going to preach on the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand before the judgment of God. And there's two judgments. One for the dead and one for the living. But not just physical. There's a judgment for those that, that died physically and spiritually. And then there's a judgment for those that are alive forevermore. And though the body is dead, the spirit is alive because of Jesus. And so today you can choose. You can make up your mind. Am I just going to be one of the religious folks that runs around and does whatever? Or am I going to learn my lesson from Israel from the teachings of the New Testament as well, that's the opportunity we have. I'm encouraging every young person, every middle-aged person, every single person, every married person. It has nothing to do with your race. has nothing to do with your educational background. has nothing to do with your finances. It has all to do with Jesus. If you'll come, the promises are yours. The program is yours, and the power is there. You can change just like this. Would you do it? While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, there's a little prayer that we like to, it's not a coin prayer, but it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to be saved today? You want this power? You want this new life? Or you just want to keep on fighting it like you're doing? 
Losing every battle. And it's getting worse and worse. Pray this dear prayer, this little prayer. Dear God, please hear my heart. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that it's very easy for me to yield to temptation. It's easy to do what my friends want to do. It's easy for me to participate in what the world has accepted as the norm. It's difficult for me to stand alone. I know that, God. But you've said that greater is those that, uh, those that have you in them than that which is in the world. And I want you in my life. I really want to be. When I write my book and I close that this is the story I wanted to write. That I gave my life to you. I can't go back, but I can start today. And today I want to be saved. So I'm asking you in my heart, save me in Jesus' name. I'll claim your promise. I'll follow your program. And I'll live in your power until the day comes for me to see you face to face. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.